Clayton. And I'm your roommate, Southwell veteran. And I'm the virgin. And we're your host. Hi, Clayton. Hello. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Yeah. Uh, So I wanted to start off real quickly to applaud our listeners. We're really getting a lot of ratings on iTunes. It seems like we're getting a new one every day, which is awesome. And it's, you know, we always ask you to do it and you guys are coming out and doing it and it helps people find us. But also on the I Give You My Body episode, I believe it was, we made a call to our listeners to if they wanted, if they were word shy when they wrote the review. So I do this sometimes when I want to review a podcast. I'm always thinking, well, what is it I really want to say? And is it going to, how am I going to say this right? And then I just end up five-starring it, which I know a lot of people do. But we're giving you an easier way to do it because we asked for euphemisms for body parts because that book had a lot of crazy euphemisms for body parts. <laughs> we, we, we made sure don't make them filthy. They can't be filthy because I think there is a there is a standards and practice when it comes to the iTunes store. So you can't say anything super filthy. But if it's a weird euphemism, then you can definitely post it because we got a review from Emblay80, who gave us five stars, thank you, and said some nice things about us, but then also, at the end, gave us a euphemism for a body part, and that euphemism was ham sandwich, which got a ug from the author themselves. They knew what they did. They were upset about it immediately. So disgusting. But that is what we want. So, like, what what this whole long preamble is, is that we would love if our reviews were number one, five stars, of course, five stars. But number two came with a euphemism. (laughs) And if that's what we see on our customer review page, that would, to me, be so hilarious. And I think also you don't even have to say it's a euphemism. If you just posted you know, five stars from anonymous user 76 and then just said ham sandwich. That would be the ultimate because only the listeners would know what what's going on and what we're doing. And I love the secret language. Yeah. And we would read them out, obviously. Of course, we would read them out. We don't really read a lot of reviews out just because it I, it seems a little self congratulatory i feel like i don't know right yeah and we we totally appreciate them and we don't we read all of them believe me we read all of them but uh we will definitely read euphemisms oh yeah all the live long day that was most of that episode was just reading euphemisms back and forth to each other that was a lot of fun (laughs) That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. So that's what I'm calling out for people. You're doing such a great job. If you don't feel comfortable doing it, obviously, everybody has different dispositions, and we don't want to make people feel like they're forced to or they're lame if they don't. I just think it'd be a funny thing if if people are willing to do it. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, and if you want to write just a straight review, we love those too. But saying that... Aaron, what book did we read this week? So this week we read Fight or Flight by Samantha Young. Uh, This was a uh, recommendation to us from actually quite a few people. Um, But I'm going to read off from Janet because she ended up wrecking it to us twice. So we got an email from Janet and she says, Hi guys, I love the show. Please keep up the good work. It's a highlight during these very strange times. Here's a good one. In fact, a reread for me. Fight or Flight by Samantha Young. Super hot with real characters. Put it on your list. So I did. (laughs) And we read it this week. Should we judge a cover first or should we give our like first impressions? No, let's judge the cover. Great cover. I love this cover. Yes, I think when we're talking cartoon covers, this shows what this book could be. Mm-hmm. And it is, yeah, it, it jumps out at you. I mean, that's one of the reasons why you sent me, and I probably mentioned this before how, how we do this. You pick the books usually. All the time you pick the books. Unless mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to read a clay pass. 
Uh, but <laughs> Which is every month. It's just, can we read a clay pass this month? And I'm like, no, we have to space them. Yeah, so you send me a text of the Goodreads links to a couple books that, that I can pick from. Mm-hmm. And this stood out to me because of the cover. I thought this will be light. This will be fun. It looks like it just looks like a popular book from the cover. And right. I think that's that's what you want when you have a romance, because I think this is a popular book, possibly. I don't do much research into it, but my assumption is it's popular because of the cover. And I think that's that's kind of the strength of some of these cartoon covers is they look like bestsellers. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I mean, just the color choices, it's like a robin's eggy kind of blue with like the bright red and it really pops. And then that's mirrored in the clothes that they're wearing on the airplane, like behind the window. Like, I think this is a, you know, we've gone hither and on with the uh, cartoon covers and our feelings towards them. I've accepted them as a fact of life. And I think this is a very good, well done one. So I, yeah, a great cover. And they're looking through the little windows of the airplane. It's it, and you're not even seeing the airplane, but it's so obviously the shape of a airplane window. Mm-hmm. It, it's just really, it's a, it's a really great cover. Yes. And so, Clayton, what was this book about? This book was about Caleb, who is a Scotsman, and Ava, who is from Boston get on a flight together they hate each other he's he ends up staying in boston for business they have a no strings attached relationship that turns into a strings attached relationship there's a lot of melodrama that gets kind of uh, what's a good word just like shoved in and they end up being together. The reason I'm being so broad with this book is that I think we really need to get into it. I know. And here's the thing about this book, too. We post, you know, if you follow us on Instagram, I always try. <laughs> You'll know if I'm having a difficult month, if it maybe it doesn't come for a few days. But I always try early in the month to post all of the books we're reading for the month. And then I post you know, the week before, this is what we're reading next week. This is what we read this week to sort of like, so you have an idea of like what's upcoming. So when we posted, here's like the carousel of all the books we're reading this month, we did get a few text messages that were like, oof, guys, this one is a rough one. And I was sort of like, oh, haha, like, we'll see. I don't know um, how, you know, we'll, we'll think of it. But, you know, had my spidey senses up. And then we posted the book. I, I posted on Friday, like, this is the book that we're going to be reading for next week. And the comments were scathing on Instagram as far as people really being vocal about hating the book. And I was really wanted to go in with an open mind because, like, we always do because, you know, we always say, like, somebody took the time to write this book. Neither of us have written a book. We really respect authors, obviously. Um and we never wanted just hate read like that. That's like seemed just like unnecessarily cruel. So I went in with a totally open mind to see how I how it was. And I do have to say, I this book was upsetting. This book, it was a difficult book to read for a lot of reasons. And I will say the writing itself is good. Like you kept going through the book, like through the pages, like as far as like a a skill level I think the writing is good but these characters are tough and I think it's like a tenet of romance is basically that like everyone deserves love no matter who you are it's something that's universal and I would say this book really puts that to the test as far as if everyone deserves love because I don't know if this hero does yeah well what do you think of the heroine I don't think the heroine I don't think Ava is likable at all either I think they're both very vapid my issue with these characters is that they aren't fully rounded characters. And I've realized this reading some romances. And I think we analyze a little bit more than maybe somebody who is just ripping through books for fun. Right. Because we have to talk about it for an hour. And that's not saying that romance readers aren't analytical. But I do feel like I don't analyze books as that I read in my 
own time as much as I do the books that I read for this podcast. So we may be getting into ticky tack stuff that somebody who likes this book can just put aside because they don't they they don't care. They're like, oh well, they were kind of annoying, but I like this and I like that, and that's fine because if you enjoyed this book, I understand that. But as somebody who is trying to look at romance broadly and and analyze what I like and don't like about it. This book stood out very much as what my biggest issue with some contemporaries is, is that they don't have real personalities. They have things that happen to them. And those things are bad and horrible. And I by no means want to say that if this happened to you in real life, that you have nothing to complain about or it can't change your personality. I by no means want to say that because trauma is real. But in this book, the way it is used is to add melodrama that doesn't create fully drawn characters. Mm -hmm. These characters had nothing to them. There's a look, God, we get there's so much to get into here because Nick, the character of Nick, who is Ava's childhood boyfriend who was her fiance that cheated with her best friend he says to her when he comes he comes to boston to talk to her after the funeral for his wife who died in childbirth who used to be ava's best friend he says to her you are boring and you you have nothing to you other than your looks and you know what? Nick was supposed to be a despicable character in this book, but I was nodding my head. I was like, you know what? Nick is right. She is boring. There is nothing to her. And Caleb is the same way. He is only handsome. He is only handsome and only has a accent, a Scottish which, accent, which and we, tattoos. Which we spend an excruciating amount of time with. Oh my gosh. I can't. I mean, it's it's groundskeeper Willie. <laughs> the, so if the, I don't ever see the word Tay written down again, it'll be too soon. This is so nitpicky, but if like if you're writing somebody with an accent, like I throw them in there, like spice it up just so we remember, oh, this person is speaking with an accent. But it's like it was every single time it was Tay, 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 wet way on it, it it was just too much and it's like i get that he's scottish i know this character scottish i'm just going to assume whenever he speaks he's speaking with a scottish accent if that's like uh, nitpicky compared to like i think the big glaring issues with this book you're forgetting caleb's big character trait which is being rude to service people yeah which which ava then starts to warm to as if it is just a quirk of his personality and not a moral failing, which it is <laughs> like I you don't need to be somebody who walks in, shakes everybody's hand, remembers everybody's name, makes jokes with the waitresses. But it's like if you can't make eye contact with a server and say thank you and please and treat them with like the base level of human decency, you are a bad person. <laughs> and there isn't really coming back from that for me. And, and Ava is bad, too, because she yeah. pats herself on the back for being so nice to these service people. She's mm -hmm. a phony, right. which is bad, too. It's not as bad as someone like Caleb, who is dismissive. But right. she also is not the person. We both worked in, the, in customer facing. We both worked in service industry. And that is, I'm not saying it's coal mining. But it's a tough job because it's emotionally exhausting because every most people who come in don't realize that you've dealt with hundreds of people that day and they're not the only person on the planet because they walk around usually believing they're the only person on the planet. So dealing with all different personalities takes a certain kind of person and it's difficult. And the fact that Caleb just throws that aside as if it doesn't matter oh they're just doing their job the whole tipping thing i mean it's like a very basic conversation they have where he he acts like well what i'm paying them to do their job come on dude it's like no one's ever gone broke tipping and mm -hmm. have a little respect for somebody who was a human being 
that is standing right next to you. And just because they're doing a job that you might find demeaning doesn't mean that they're not a person. Yeah, that rubbed I mean, me the that's wrong insane. way. Yeah. And it's also like, if you don't want to tip, that's fine. Don't go to restaurants. Don't put yourself in an environment where you're supposed to tip. But if you do want to go to restaurants and fancy restaurants, then tip or just go to Danny Meyer restaurants or whatever. But it's like, yeah, honestly, it's like I say it all the time. Like I was a bartender and a waitress for like five or six years in my 20s. And then I worked at a as a sales associate at a store and those were more difficult jobs than the job I do now. I make basically twice as much money now, more. I make four times as much money now than I did when I was a sales associate. And it's like, yeah, it's it's that's the hardest job I've ever had. When I was a bartender or waitress, like I didn't need my customers to be overly like shooting the shit with me or anything. Like, honestly, if they were just like spoke to me when I came to the table and said, please and thank you. That was a great customer. Like, I'm not asking for the world. (laughs) You know, it's just insane to me that you would decide that that was an appropriate, like, personality trait to give to your hero to be like, he'll be mean, but then the heron will notice that it's just sort of his way. No, it's inappropriate. It starts, this whole book starts out with a fight over the last seat in first class, which immediately is an unrootable thing. (laughs) It does not make me root for these characters that Ava especially is so bereft that if she can't, all she wants is this seat in first class. Is that too much to ask? I just want my coffee because I'm not myself if I don't get my coffee. And <laughs> I need my first class seat. Oh my gosh, so many things have happened to me. I can't just get a seat in first class. Now, I'm being extremely mean, which I'm usually not on this podcast. I'm usually like this in real life. But <laughs> it just put me so off. And then he's, he actually, Caleb is a jerk, but she, she does make a big deal. And now I'm not a fan of cutting, but he might not have seen her. He might honestly not have seen her. She does pester the hell out of him in a very irritating way. And he does act mean to her. And I'm not saying by any means that he's not a horrible person, but there was a level of escalation that she continued to do that she could have been the better person and just turned the other cheek. Well, and then she also just bought a first class ticket. Like, that's also not the way it works. Like, listen, I love to fly. I am. You know what I mean? It's like you are in a loyalty program. You get put on a list to go to first class. Like, it's it's not a situation where you could just go up and be like, hey, can I be in first class? And they're like, yeah, there's a ticket. Here you go. That just doesn't happen. But I I mean, it's also I think it's telling that the first thing he does that they ever interact is he hits her with his bag Mm -hmm. and does not apologize again. Like and it's like that is basically setting up their entire relationship. Like he never hits her, obviously, but like, you know, like just a disregard for her. And I mean, I, I don't know if it is like he he is so like the words that he uses to towards her in that first meeting are just so mean like he's just mean mm-hmm. uh, well, he he assumes that she is only cares about what other people cares too much about what other people think is vapid cares about makeup and clothes and money and he is correct because that is truly what she cares about That makes, I don't know, that part of her personality was not as grating to me because I was like, I get it. If she grew up and that was the only thing her parents valued was her looks, then like you would continue to just value that. And it's like, you know, I didn't hate that as a personality trait. I also thought that was interesting that she's just like very beautiful, but has a lot of insecurity around her beauty. Like, I do think that's interesting and I haven't seen that before. So like, I'll give them that. I'll give her that. But he's also incredibly vain as well and it's like he has a perfectly trimmed beard he's always like in these fancy clothes and stuff so it's like it's not like he's a slob so it's like 
I don't know. Yeah, from the first meeting, basically, it's bad. And he he walks around in suits sometimes when he's in business. But then otherwise, I feel like he's walking around like a faux Sons of Anarchy. And is he actually and does he actually do anything cool in his in his like away time when he's not at work? Like does do either of them have hobbies? Do either of them have quirks of personality that aren't, oh, I'm rude to service people or I I I pay way too much rent to live in Boston. Like what what are these people about? Oh, we have to talk about her and money. I don't want to assign too much to the author, but I do feel like this book shows me a lot about who this author is. And the relationship to money is wild because it's like we're supposed to think that Ava doesn't really have money because she has to wear a tennis bracelet that her... um, A diamond tennis bracelet. A diamond tennis bracelet that her ex-boyfriend gave on her 18th birthday. And I'm like, what 18-year-old boy is giving out diamond tennis bracelets? But fine. A rich kid. A fucking rich kid. All right. Yeah, a rich kid. So she has the diamond tennis, but she but she hates wearing it, but she wears it because, you know, she needs to impress her clients, which is like, that makes sense. Like, whatever. I looked, I worked in luxury interiors. Like, I get that. But then she spends $4,000 a month in Boston to live on the common. Like, what the hell? And she has, like, designer shoes and all this stuff. And it's like, I don't know how we're supposed to feel about her finances because she, her parents are very, very wealthy, like, trust fund. She sometimes worries about money, but sometimes doesn't. But spends $4,000 a month. But it's also, like not high up in a in a boutique interior design firm and is worried about first class where it's like just buy a first class ticket like you sound rich as fuck which is fine i don't know be rich i mean no not now and nowadays being rich is a moral failing but like you know i don't i mean i that's that's such a sticky conversation to get into because i do feel like what is rich and what is having money like if yeah, if you own ninety percent of the economy, that's bad. But if you're somebody who makes a couple million dollars a year because you worked hard and you take care of your family and you give to charity, I don't necessarily think that's a moral failing. No, it was a joke. I don't. Okay. Yeah. Listen, I can't wait to be rich. I would love it. If anyone that's what I'm saying. I mean, money, both of us want to be. Why do you think we're doing this podcast? <laughs> We wouldn't be doing a podcast if we wouldn't expect it to make us rich. So we can't we can't stand here being hypocrites, right? Yeah. So they're on the plane. They end up sitting next to each other, of course. They... We just we're in the beginning of this book. <laughs> so yeah. So they get in the plane. That is like that is like page eight. <laughs> and uh, whatever he watches her go to the bathroom, like he's attracted to her, but he's mad that he's attracted to her okay well he doesn't watch her go to the bathroom that's i mean (laughs) no he watches her walk to the bathroom walk to the bathroom (laughs) that because that's a whole different book because if if nobody if someone didn't read that book and heard you toss that out they'd be like wait why are you not talking about (laughs) the voyeur scene where he peeks in on her uh on and her tinkling no yeah so then it's like because of the volcano that erupted in Iceland a few years ago but contemporary to this book she they can't have a direct flight to Boston so they have to stop in Chicago for a night we hear a lot about why she chose the hotel she chose which is breathtaking and then (laughs) she is having dinner and some guys are hitting on her and so then Caleb just comes to save her from the guys hitting on her Erin she is so attractive (laughs) She is so attractive. She can't sit by herself in a booth without men becoming Tex Avery cartoon characters (laughs) and hitting themselves on the head with mallets and coming over to try and hit on her. So Caleb comes over and sits in the same booth as her to protect her so that she can't be bothered by bad men, even though he is a bad man. He's the worst of the men. He should. Pro- she should probably go out with one of those guys. And that's that's an alpha dick move that he pulls, where he's like, "You are not safe without me. 
these guys are all predators. I'm not a predator because you already know where I stand. And then they subsequently end up having sex almost right after, after they have some drinks, which they're very much about saying, I'm fine. Are you fine? Are you fine? I'm fine. Which is great. You want to have consent. If we had a scene where they got sloppy drunk and had sex, that probably wouldn't fly nowadays. So it's good that they had that conversation. Well, also, the the thing about Ava, too, is, like, there's such a massive disconnect between the things that she says, the things she does, and the way people react to her. Because it's like, she is supposed to be in her early 30s or late 20s. And it's like... I, I think she's 30, because he's uh, 35, so she's five years younger than him. Okay. So she's, she's a very 30. immature 30. Oh, my God. Well... But it's like, if you are a very beautiful woman at 30, like, you know how to handle yourself. These things aren't a surprise to you. Like, men hitting on you, all the, like, these are things you have navigated previously. It's not like you're just like, oh, I don't know what to do. Or, oh, I got flustered. He was, you know what I mean? It's like, that's not really how you react, you know, as a, if, if you are a beautiful person and this is something that's been happening to you for ostensibly years she moved out so young and it's you know whatever i i have friends and stuff who have who left the home very when they were very young and it's like you have a certain world savvy that she just doesn't have at all now i do think she does effectively shoot some of these guys down in in the restaurant i do think she does kind of yeah make make these guys humble it just is so unrelenting that Caleb comes over and sees, well, this isn't going to end. There's just a line right. for people to hit on her. <laughs> well, and I think, like, Caleb coming and sitting down with her, if he wasn't Caleb, is nice. If that's what she wanted. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't make sense given their history. Yeah. And that they never had a redeemable moment, like, on the plane. They never had a spark or something that it could be like, oh, let's grow this spark. Instead, he was like, I still hate you. I still think you're a vain piece of shit. But, like, let's sit together. Yeah, then they go upstairs. She hasn't had sex since Nick. So she hasn't had sex in seven years. And she decides to break it with Caleb because she's just very attracted to him. Yeah. And Which, yeah, that's fine. That's great. I don't see a problem with that. I'm Willow Astor, author and host of Living in the Pages, part of the Frolic Podcast Network. My show features best-selling authors in their latest work. I love to get a behind-the-scenes look at authors' everyday lives, their loves and hates, their influences, and often how the highs and lows and in-betweens of life affect their words. Interesting people like Taryn Fisher, Kennedy Ryan, Colleen Hoover, and the dreamy Paulina Simons. Join me every Thursday as I explore the lives of our favorite authors. Can we talk... God, this needs... This could be a two-parter. This, <laughs> Our very this, first two-parter. This could be what this podcast is about now, is just <laughs> this book. She is coming back from Phoenix because of the funeral for her best friend, her ex-best friend, who died in childbirth. And she somehow makes it all about her. And I yeah. understand she's the protagonist of this book. And I, I don't, I understand people deal with grief the way they're going to deal with it. But the way she centers herself in this experience and in this thing that happens is so selfish. And her worldview of that is never questioned other than by Nick, who the book wants us to think is the scummiest man alive. Mm-hmm. And he's the only one that says, this isn't about you. Like, I came to apologize to you, and my wife just died in childbirth, and can you please just let me talk? And she has this triumphant speech where she's like, no, you can't speak anymore. <laughs> Which yeah. is crazy because they were best friends as kids. Him, him, his wife, and her mm-hmm. were, were a threesome in a non-sexual way when they were kids. And like kids, they 
their hearts moved around. That's the other thing about this 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 book is that when a 23-year-old says forever, that ain't forever. Right. That is maybe three years. That's maybe a year if you get lucky. So the fact that Nick said that they'd be together forever as a 20-something means zero. Now, does that mean that you're allowed to betray anybody you want when you're a teen or a 20-something? No. But when you have the kind of view of life the way somebody even in their 40s has, you realize that stuff means so little. And to be so hung up about it for as long as she was is sick. Yeah, you have a different view of Nick than I do. Like, I do still think, like, Nick is a villain. I do think it's like... He is a villain. But the problem that he has good points is, I guess, makes him a good villain. Because I guess people think, oh, well, Darth Vader or Thanos had good points. But they, uh, the way they went about it was bad, right? And Nick... I do think I'm not saying he's a good person. I'm just saying that he does illuminate things about her. Right. Well, and I think it's like I get her having that pain because it's like, you know, her best friend and her boyfriend cheated on her together. And like that is hard to get over. But yeah, that she held on to it as long as she did. And also it's like the idea that you would also have Gemma, her best friend, die during like a like complications from a c-section and her child would also die it's like well because then he comes back and he says like i loved you more the whole i don't know it's like whatever but also it's like I he's don't know, definitely this man fucked just, up he's yeah definitely... well this man just lost his wife and child in one moment like i i always feel like uh, for a year after a really painful like, you basically get a mulligan. <laughs> like, if your parent dies, if your partner dies, like, God forbid, anyone, like, a child dies, like, you get at least a year to say and do wild shit, and nobody can really come down on you for it because you are not in your right mind, because you have That's suffered how I kind an of immeasurable felt. loss. Right. I felt so a it's little like, bit about that way with Nick. Yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah, he, he seems like not a great guy. She should not be with him. She should be with Leo. We meet him later. We're only 30 pages into this book. But like, yeah, he's able to illuminate things with her. But it, she is incredibly self-centered that she's not more upset about Gemma dying. But it is also like the just the decision to have her die in that way is so brutal, brutal. And it's also it's like, I mean, okay, Gemma I didn't. We, what did Gemma do other than not? want to tell Ava about her and Nick because she didn't want to hurt Ava's feelings, which doesn't make what they're doing right. No, you don't fuck your best friend's boyfriend. Like no matter what age you are, like Gemma really crossed a line. Like, I'm not going to say that what they did was fine. Like I get they were 23, 23 doesn't mean forever, but it's like, you still don't do that. Even if you're 16, like it's a shitty thing to do. Like, I don't think it's unrecoverable, I don't think uh, I'm very should... French about this whole situation. <laughs> I, you know, I really have become very French when it comes to these things. Did you ever see, you, you saw this movie, right? The, um, what is the Greta Gerwig movie, um, with her and Mistress Lola America, Kirk. Mistress America, where they're in the car. She's with her, who the girl who's going to become her sister-in-law and, uh, like her friends. And she's like, why are you talking about infidelity? You all should be fucking each other. Everybody should all be fucking each other kind of thing. And I'm like, you're right. That should be the way you are when you're a kid. I'm not saying you should hurt people's feelings, but the way America is about no fidelity, fidelity, fidelity. It's just like not something that comes naturally. And I think is more suited for people when they're older because they have exhausted all other opportunities oh my god what a cynical view i think it's i mean i think when you're like a teenager in early 20s you're like testing out relationships and i also think like you shouldn't like you shouldn't have a serious relationship when you're that young because i think you need to just kind of see what's out there and you are changing so much and you're learning so much about yourself and the idea that one person would be able to be the person you need through all that is rare 
I guess Listen, that's what I'm trying get to, to say. Yeah, people, my parents got together when they were 13 and 14. So, like, does it work sometimes? Yes. Uh, we're talking in broad strokes generalities. Um, so I agree. Like, that's part of it. Part of it is fidelity. Like, part of it is learning about fidelity. Part of it is having someone cheat on you or you cheating on someone, learning how that feels. So then you don't mm-hmm. want to do that again. Like, I think that's all important. I think, yes, what Gemma and Nick did was bad. Was the relationship ending like if Ava never wanted to speak to either of them again? I get it. I think that's totally fine and within her rights. But the author gets to choose how Gemma dies. (laughs) And to have her die in childbirth when that is, you know, with Nick's baby, it seems like a biblical punishment sort of a thing. Like you went too close to what was Ava's and now this is what you get. And we're supposed to be like... Well, yeah, that's what she did. And I think you couple that experience and that view with the big reveal towards the end. Oh, this is huge. This made me sick. Oh, I texted Jen Prokoff at 1.30 a.m. when I read this. And I was like, I hope you don't wake up to read this, but I cannot sit here by myself with this. I fucking couldn't believe this. Oh, my. I, you... Because you and I don't text about the books. If we text about the books, I would have just texted you just like 20 exclamation points. So, okay. So you couple, uh, you know, Gemma's maternal mortality with the reason that Caleb cannot trust Ava, hates Ava because she's beautiful, is because he was engaged or dating a woman named Carissa. Carissa got pregnant. She told Caleb she was pregnant. Caleb was excited to have the kid. Carissa decided she, at that time in her life, she did not want to have a child. So she had an abortion. Caleb frames this as she murdered my baby. There was no going back for me from that. And I feel like that's why it's like, normally we don't like to rip books apart. And I am perfectly comfortable ripping this book apart because you couple, this is what can happen. Like, Dying in childbirth, especially in the United States, is not uh, like it's not not a concern. We have a very high maternal mortality rate in this country. So like the idea that like you would be able to bookend that with this woman framing this woman that we never meet on the page as being selfish for wanting an abortion because she just wants to live whatever fucking life she wants to live. So if you... If you die in childbirth, you're getting what you got because you cheated with on your best friend. That's God punishing you. Yes. That's God punishing you. But also, if you do get pregnant from some guy that you're dating and you're not serious about it and you want to kind of live your life for a few years, you are an evil woman and you're selfish and you're vain because I guess Carissa had said to him, like, I don't want to have a baby right now. Maybe later. Maybe I want to have a surrogate. I don't know. Which is like, listen. That's women, insane that's, thinking. Well, that's only women's choice. If you are a woman and for literally any reason under the sun, you do not want to carry a child. You do not have to carry a child. If you want to become a mother, but you don't want to carry the child and you have the means to engage with a surrogate, fine. If you want to adopt, like what, literally whatever you want to do, it's your fucking choice. And this book made me so angry And that is never really picked apart. Ava is on his side. Like, I can't believe that woman did that to him. It's evil. Uh, It's an evil and it's a it's a it's a bad thing to put in a book. And it's a bad thing to have not questioned in a book. If you do want that to be a part of a character, like a character dealing with with a partner's abortion, like, I guess, fine, you're allowed to have feelings about it, but shut the fuck up. And coupled with he fucking raw dogs Ava out of nowhere so it's like what 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 was that and he's like the condo situation in this book uh, is all over the place it is all over the place it it yeah it's so upsetting and then you know what I mean it's like he didn't give her a choice. They had been using protection. And then he unilaterally was like, well, I saw you take a birth control pill. So it's fine. I'm clean. <laughs> That's, That's not how it fucking works, buddy. <laughs> That's so nuts. It's so nuts. The the, uh, Oh, my gosh. 
So the the broad issue for me with this book is that both of these characters' worldviews are never really questioned or scrutinized in a way that I feel like they should have been. Their mm-hmm. thoughts and feelings on what has happened to them and the people they've interacted with have not changed at all. They've only been reinforced by each other. Mm-hmm. The only change that they've had in their minds is with each other in the sense of, oh, I guess it's kind of cute that he's mean to service people and doesn't say thank you. And and he's like, well, she is kind of boring and vapid, but I think I kind of like that. That's my type. So <laughs> they come around on each other, but she never gets any other side of the situation with Gemma and Nick other than her her thoughts on how they're both evil and I mean Gemma not as much but she still has not forgiven her and kind of wanted to forgive her but didn't get a chance to and so that to her is this wound to herself she never thinks about how Gemma would feel about it and his whole issue with the she took my wee one I never got to carry my wee one like Dude, like you would have been involved 100% in this baby that you had with this woman that you were casually dating. Like that's never questioned. And then the whole Harper, who is uh, Ava's best friend out of pity, really, because Ava kind of looks down on her and pities her in a way that I was not comfortable with. When Harper was only anything but a... She was just a great friend who moved around her very busy schedule to listen to Ava's bitching consistently. Has this boyfriend, Vince, who ends up being a scumbag. And Ava was like, I know he's a scumbag. I just know it. I just know it. And then it turns out, like, yeah, you don't listen to Ava. You get your... You get beat. Like, that was nuts to me. I thought that was a really sickening turn of events, too, because why did Harper, why did we even need that, like, situation where Vince becomes a drug addict and beats up Harper? Like, I didn't need to see that. That didn't need to be in this book. So much of this melodrama was just kind of just chucked in here to make something that could have been a light, fun book become this moral shit show well and that's the thing too about the cartoon cover like you see the cartoon cover you think you're gonna get like i don't know like books we really like you're gonna get like the hating game or something like that that's like a fun light read this is a very dark book with very dark themes and Mm -hmm. yeah you have spousal abuse so you have that he basically beats the shit out of her locks her in a broom and it's and uh, she calls Ava. And so it's basically just like her friend gets the shit kicked out of her so that Ava can see Caleb as caring because he like takes her to the hospital. And so does yes. like, his brother, who's there for some reason. We don't know. <laughs> He's and, around a lot and uh, it's fine. And um, also that drug, any anytime you take drugs, you become a violent sociopath. You right. can't recreationally take any sort of drug because you then become a maniac and an abuser. Which right. is a very, I think, uh, that's like s- such a puritanical view as well of drugs. But and the th- What? Sorry. No, sorry. You go, you go. Well, I know, we're both so jazzed up. We're, <laughs> we're both so ready to like fight someone. Um, it's 9.30 and I haven't even had my coffee and I'm just shot out of a cannon. Who do you think? Anytime we're just tired, we're just gonna be like, "Do you want to talk about fight or flight for like minutes?" <laughs> yeah. We really get our blood pumping. I was gonna um, say, if my blood pressure gets too low, mm-hmm. which is an issue, I'll just think of this book or be like, "Aaron, let's talk about this book for twenty minutes," and then I'll <laughs> just really get my heart rate up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be ready to go. That well, I mean, at that stage, I think I was already pretty done with the book, and so I it's was so just long like, of too. Course. Yeah, it's just like and this. And, you know, basically as a result of that, she and Caleb just sleep next to each other. And then he is cruel to her the next morning. He never stops being very cruel to her. No. 
he's cruel to her the next morning, you know, just and then ghosts her for like a week or two for like a significant amount of time. And his, yeah, his manipulation of her and her emotions like he she thinks he's going back to Scotland. So they have like a few days together and then he leaves and then it's like, nope, wait, he's coming back because he took a job in the States. Uh, but he just didn't tell her for the weeks he knew that was coming because he's very busy. And I'm uh-huh. like, I don't and he know. And wanted to be a surprise. He oh. claims. I hate. Yeah. So he surprised her on a boat. And then immediately took over all of her time. She had like tried to get back out there. She decided she did want a relationship or no, she didn't want a relationship, but she wanted to like date other people. So she meets this guy, Leo, who seems nice and like he would be a good partner to her. And they had agreed to have like a casual relationship. And Caleb was just rip shit when he found out, even though hours before she thought he was living in Scotland and would never, ever see him again. He's pissed that she would ever think to have sex with anyone else in such a disgusting way. And so oh, then he's so jealous too, which makes ugh. me so insane because dude, you have no right. You're not right. making any, you're not making any promises to her. In fact, you're going out of your way to say, I will never be in a serious relationship with you. And then mm-hmm. her, the thought of her being with anybody else drives him so insane. It's mm-hmm. the worst. That's the worst combination of traits for anyone, but especially a guy. Right. B- be like, la- laissez-faire about yeah. it. Be laissez-faire about sex with all partners. If you're going to be laissez-faire with somebody about it, you should be laissez-faire when they want to be with somebody else. Right. Laissez-faire. I don't know. I Listen, I'm trying to be more French, and I'm, I'm not <laughs> You I'm are. Not saying this I'm is there. such a turn this morning. I mean, I, I don't hate it. I love it. Um, yeah. Well, and it's also, it's like, listen, I, a jealousy in a romance novel, love it. Listen, I'm not going to say I don't. But I feel like a, when it's done well, it's like an internal thing. The thing is, this entire book is only Ava's basically first-person point of view, so we never see what happens internally with Caleb. But I don't think much was happening there anyway. He's got haggis for brains, this guy. (laughs) But that's the, so she cancels the date with this nice guy. And then he like, that's the night that he basically like flips her over a couch and just starts raw dogging her out of nowhere, which is wild. And she gets upset and he's like, oh, is it because I decided not to use a condom? Is that why you got to be in your bonnet? I was like, no, but that's like one of the reasons I'm sure. Well, and also she was like, I don't want to feel like I'm just a whole, which is like, I get it's like, even if you're having a casual relationship, like there should be a level of respect that he is not affording her. And then he like flips on a dime and is like really cuddly with her, like so much manipulation, so much gaslighting. So it it was wild to watch and have you him propped up as like, isn't he like a grumpy, cool? No, he's a bad person. He should not. She should not be well, with him. But then ultimately she meets up with this Leo guy again randomly. This is after. So Caleb has ceased all communication with her. Won't return her phone calls. So she blocks him on every avenue she can to say like, okay, fine. I don't want him in my life. I want to move on. This is like the third time she tried to move on from him. And he calls her boss and stalks her to like where she's getting lunch, where she's talking to Leo. And he is pissed that she's talking to another guy. I know. It's and it's so... like, this is upsetting. This is fucked up. So anyway, they end up on, the, on a flight again together, right? Can we just end this? Can we just end Wait, this? Yeah. How the fuck does it end? They Who end cares? It's so together? long. I was so over this book when when he ghosts her. I was like, aren't we done with this? Isn't this over yet? No, he, she is. So finally he shows up while she's going, like setting up to have a date with this guy who seems like a very good guy and who I was like, she should be with Leo. This should be her and Leo's story. But she um, turns him down. She says, I don't want to see you anymore. Like they break up. She expresses why what he said was so cruel to her. He basically echoed the thing that Nick said. And he said, you're just beautiful, but there's nothing more that I would ever Mm -hmm. want you for. I'll never be with you. Cool. So then he talks to her boss and I'm like, who is this boss? But he talks to this boss and her boss and set up like that. She's going to go for a fake client in Chicago, but actually it's Caleb and Caleb sits down next to her on the flight. And isn't this romantic? No, it's hell. This is hell. Like 
Mm-hmm. These characters are in hell of their own making. Yeah, this is just a like a bait and switch, and then it's like, oh no, this has been a like a horror story the whole time. And I'd be like, this makes sense now. This is a great horror story. Well, if you want to show someone a book that's like, these are the men to avoid, and it's like oh. Caleb and Dick, I'd be like, yeah, this is a good cautionary tale, I guess. In case anybody's thinking, I by no means look at Nick as a hero. I, I mm-hmm. think he's, I do think what he did was horrible, and I think he is a very misguided manipulator, mm-hmm. like most of the guys in this book, other than Leo. But I just do think that he had some good points, which is does not say much for for the characters in this book, if he is mm-hmm. like, has anything rational to say. Listen, I would be open to reading another one of her books just because this bombed so heavily that I'm like, is this a one-off? Is this like misguided like i don't get it but so we say this is a must read (laughs) (laughs) i mean what do your own thing and listen there are people who read the book they didn't have the issues we had with it they had a good time with the book and listen that's great i don't want to take that away from anybody like you said before it's like we you know i obviously read a ton of romance when i'm not reading for the podcast i have a different experience with a book than if i read it for the podcast like it's true you read differently and i think um so if you just read it passively and enjoyed yourself and are like oh i'd like to hear what they have to say about this and you recommend it to us i am happy you did that like that's good it's 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 interesting but i think it's just for us this was just like a huge miss Yes, I agree. You know, so, but it's not a, I'm sure that there are books that I could recommend to people and they would absolutely hate it and it doesn't, you know, curb my enjoyment of them. So it's, you know, at the end of the day, this is all a matter of taste. Someone might read Strange Love and be like, what what are they smoking? What does Clayton see in this book? I don't understand. And Mm -hmm. that's what's great about romance is that there's things that some of us don't understand and there's things that other of us love and it, we're all in this together. <laughs> we're all on this plane to nowhere. <laughs> yes. We love all of you is what I'm saying. Yes. So certainly. And we've said before, like if you do recommend us a book and we don't like it, that doesn't mean we don't like you. We still like you. <laughs> of course. Cause you listen and you engage with romance, which is mm-hmm. what, I'm trying to do and I think was the point of this podcast so really quickly the important question would we fuck them 100% no for me (laughs) no I mean listen Caleb did sound hot I am a don't you dare don't you dare no thank you I don't want to shame you but don't you dare (laughs) I would no never all right should we do goodreads list oh let's do it Hate at first sight. Yes. Best enemies to lovers. Um, it is enemies to lovers. I can see why someone would put that on the list. So yes. Best modern, mostly epic love stories. Nope. Nothing Gonna epic about this. A no for me, dog. Slow burn romance. <laughs> uh, no, they fuck in the first like 20%. Yeah. Yeah. Friends with benefits. Yes. Howdy man bears. Hate that. Hate it. Hate that list. Uh, I guess because he's kind of furry, so he's a bear in that sense. But I don't think he's pouty. No. Grouchy men and hilarious ladies. She is not funny at all. No. Does she even try to be funny? She would not know a jo- what a joke is. She is so self-absorbed. Best banter and bicker couples. No. No. This isn't banter. I don't, like, banter is a specific thing, and, like, there are authors that write amazing banter. This is, no. Best grumpy hot men of romance. No. There's a difference between grumpy and an asshole. Yeah, he's an asshole. He's an alpha hole. Right. Craven is grumpy, but he's not an asshole. Yeah. You know? Hottest dirty talk. No. The Dirty Talk didn't even register to me, so I can't even say. Best ever contemporary romance books. No. He doesn't want her. True. True. Controlling, (laughs) sexy, possessive men. 
he is controlling and he's possessive. And yes, I could I can see why people think he's sexy. So yes, rivals to lovers. It, they're not really rivals because they rivals would mean they have this. The only thing that they're they both want is that seat on the plane. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're not really rivals. Right. So no. Um. All right. I mean, that's it. Those are lists. Uh, Clayton, what are your tropes? Enemies to lovers. I love your accent, which Ava loves his Scottish accent. Mm-hmm. Vapid hero and heroine. They're both <laughs> extremely vapid. Scottish hero, rude hero, faux polite heroine, because I do feel like she pats herself on the back for being polite when it's all really phony. And misdiagnosing punk. Harper is not punk. Harper no. wears jeggings. She is not punk. She has a couple earrings. She is not punk. Right. That, not that I'm some like hardcore punk person, but when that that is a a basic person's idea of what punk is is that you have rips in your jeans, and you listen to Kings of Leon. That always <laughs> makes me nuts. Uh, Wait, th- in this book they say that she listens to Kings of Leon, or th- they Vince. Vince looks like the lead singer of Kings of Leon and the way they describe his music is similar, which is not punk or indie. That's funny. They are I mean, on a listen, major label. Yeah. They've <laughs> always been on a major label. They were never not on a major label. Sorry, that this is me being an annoying nerd like music nerd geek that everybody hates. But when you say somebody's punk Harper ain't punk. God bless her. She hit somebody over the head with a bottle. That was cool. But she ain't punk. Yeah. Gigi Allen is punk. Well, he's a scum rocker. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) It's Avril Lavigne. Like, Harper... Ava would think Avril Lavigne is punk. Harper isn't even as hard as Avril Lavigne. Harper has a job. No punk has a job. Yeah. So sorry, those are my tropes. I went off. I'm I'm shot out of a cannon this this morning. <laughs> yeah, Aaron. Aaron, what were your tropes? I I yeah, enemies to lovers, Scottish hero, perfect heroine because they talk a lot about how beautiful she is. Irredeemable hero, tall hero. He's very tall. That's a personality trait he has. Rich hero. Uh, fighting over a plane seat, friends with benefits. They talk a lot about being friends with benefits. Here's a little PSA for anyone out there trying to do friends with benefits. The friends part is quite important. So yes, you have, you have to like each other. Like shit, but fucking you every once in a while. That's not friends with benefits. That's an upsetting, demeaning relationship that you need to get out of. Friends with benefits. So that's like they treat you like a person and then you guys have sex. I think it's a fine arrangement to have. But the friends part is the part that I think people blow past every once in a while. That's so true. It's a great point. Yeah. Not wanting to commit for no good reason. Caleb can't imagine committing. But we never really know why. When we find out why it's a bad reason, uh, he just didn't want to commit because that's uh, what kept the story going. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are my tropes. Do, uh, do we have any final thoughts? Or we're good. I'm, I feel like I'm coming down from something. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go through this edit and be like, wow, did we just scream this whole time? Is anybody going like, to listen to this? You know how after you like you just narrowly escape a car accident and then your like, <laughs> yeah. adrenaline's pumping, but then you get really tired like 10 minutes later? Like I'm in the tired. <laughs> That's so true. That's how I feel. And you're like reliving it. Yeah, you're like, you'll oh, just wow. be you'll you'll be walking around still feeling like you're almost going to get hit by a car. Yeah. I'm going to relive this podcast all day. I mean, I am happy that you're the one going to edit it because like if we do sound like like unhinged, like <laughs> <laughs> then pull back, but you know, whatever. These were our feelings here at 8:30 a.m. on a Monday morning where we do a recording. <laughs> It's like the worst time possible. Started our week just ranting about a romance novel. Oh my god! I'm gonna that get on some the people phone truly love today and just be like, "What? What do you want? What do you? What could you possibly want from me that yeah. I haven't already given?" All right, Clayton, what has you swooning this week? I am swooning 
about a show that I didn't think I would like. And it's called Ted Lasso on Apple Plus. And the thing about this is it's so different than this book because Ted Lasso is a character played by Jason Sudeikis, who is a American football coach that goes over to England to coach English or European football, which is soccer. Mm -hmm. And it's based on a commercial character, a a character in a commercial (laughs) that he did, which is the same premise where he's American football coach that was coaching a Premier League soccer team, and it's played for laughs. Bill Lawrence, who's the guy who did Scrubs and Cougar Town and a bunch of other shows, produces this show, and... The thing that I love about this show, number one, I want to live in England. Mm-hmm. When this all ends, I'm going to try and find a way to be in England for for some length of time because I really, really want to visit. Yeah. I really, I really, you guys have gone, you've loved it. I've always mm-hmm. felt this pull towards it. And so it takes place in, in England. And this character is so positive but not in a phony way and not in a fake way. It's just so intrinsically in his character to Mm -hmm. take things that come his way and make positivity out of it. And it's not maudlin. He's still funny and he's a bit of a buffoon, but he's a good natured buffoon. He's not a bully buffoon. And it's, there's something about this show that is just lifts your spirits and even the people that are supposed to be villainous in it are have some redeeming qualities or at least some motivation for mm-hmm. being the way they are. Other than maybe one character, which there's only been three episodes dropped right now because the way Apple Plus does it is they do three episodes uh, premiere and then it's every week they do a new one, which I don't like. Just drop them all because I wanted to watch all 10. But I would mm-hmm. say... Give it a shot because it is such a weird fringe show because it's on Apple Plus. Not a lot of people have it. But it really just brightened my day. Jason Sudeikis is a guy who's weird because he had some big movies and then kind of stopped doing movies. Although comedies don't really do much at the theater, so I guess that's probably a reason. But I've always liked him. I loved him on SNL. I think he just has something. And this this show really shows that thing that he has, which is just really positive charisma so i would say my and i would recommend this to you aaron because i know you love tv so much i love tv ted lasso apple plus check it out i used to do i not do i used to be an audience member and uh go to a comedy show like once a week um in like the like the 2008 9 10 and jason sudeikis used to go all the time too and he was always the nicest guy he was always really sweet, so I have like good feelings when I hear about him, and I'm happy he's doing well. So, Aaron, what has you swooning this week? So, I'm swooning about a book that we actually that I read the whole time we were uh, vacationing together. So, you saw me by the pool reading this book a lot, and it's um, "Say Nothing" by Patrick Radden O'Keefe. It's funny. This is a book that I I remember hearing about and and not really wanting to read for some reason because, you know, I lived in Northern Ireland for a while. And, you know, I have feelings about the place and sort of what, what's happened there. Um, but I just kept hearing good things about it. That I was like, I, I do just want to read it. And um, my great uncle, who I went to Ireland with, uh, bought it for me. So I'm like, well, now that it's being bought for me, I guess I should read it. Or for my father. But then he said it was for me. So um, it's amazing. So it's all about the specifically like the IRA and sort of the culture that it created in Belfast and is specifically around the murder of this woman, Jean McConville, who was a widowed mother of 10. She was taken in the middle of the night um, and her children and disappeared basically. Um, it's a, it's an amazingly written, well-written book. Um, and it really is about memory and the, the choices that are made in the face of, of this adversity uh, a lot of it is about how you have to change from being, you know, a party in opposition to a, a ruling party and how that's difficult. And uh, a lot about people who were sort of wrapped up into the to the violence at a very young age. Um, 
the book title made me laugh say nothing because the thing about northern ireland is like people talk like constantly and there's a big revelation in this book about who maybe committed this murder and it was confusing to me because that was who i always thought committed the murder because when i was told about this when i lived in northern ireland they said that this was the two people they propose had committed the murder in the book or the two people that i was told had done it in 2004 it was um not the murder the murder was much earlier but that's when i lived in northern ireland um and so it's just interesting and i think it's it's an interesting study in that part of the world and that part of history and i would say too northern ireland is very different now and it's a beautiful place to visit so when we can leave the country again i would suggest going and visiting there because it's the people are wonderful and it is a gorgeous place uh it's one of my favorite places in the world um and this book gives a really great background and just sort of everything that happened there um and it's, it's just really really interesting so say nothing by patrick radden o'keefe so Aaron, where can they find us? So rate, review, subscribe. We talked about it at the top of the episode, but it helps people find us. If you want to write a euphemism for a body part in there, just as a little joke between us and you, we love it. We'll read it out of the podcast. Um, you can email us at lordingthetopspodcast at gmail.com. Email us with recommendations. Email us. You disagreed with us. You agreed with us. Your thoughts. We always love hearing from you guys. Uh, on Twitter, we're at Learning Tropes. On Instagram, we're at Learning the Tropes. Uh, and then we have our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop. Um, and next week, we are going to be reading Spellbound by Allie Tarian. Um, and Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcast. Bye, everybody. Stay safe.